Borak Dongerthwitz. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 121st episode of Space Spinner 2000. Yeah, buddy. Podcast where two Americans are going to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode we're covering 2000 AD for October and November 1984, progs 387 to 390, getting close to 400, too. Uh, this time we're starting all new stories. It's a big fall relaunch as always, um, or almost as always. Um, so we're getting new stories as Dread questions his judgment. Ace Trucking goes on strike. The hell, the hell trek begins and Nemesis visits the Gothic Empire. Oh, uh, yeah, man. It's a great couple of issues. It's gonna, I feel like when we end this, it's gonna be. It's going to be real hard to talk about. <laughs> ah, that's why I put a slug in. Anyhow, um, if you want to read along with us, you'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dredd, the Complete Case Files 8, Rogue Trooper Tales of New Earth 2, or uh, the specific volume, uh, Rogue Trooper To the Ends of New Earth, the Complete Ace Trucking 2, Nemesis the Warlock Book 1, and you can find Hell Trekkers collected in the Judge Dredd magazine issues 218 to 223. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, there's no it's never speci- got its own thing, huh? Definitely hasn't gotten its own graphic oh, novel I, as far as I can tell. I guess it's, it is like a, a 2000 or a, a Mega City 1 kind of branch off, right? I so. mean, you know, in when when the when the magazine gets to like um volume 5 in like the mid to in like the early 2000s it starts pu- uh packing in just sort of like some classic or you know quote unquote classic sometimes uh 2000 AD uh uh uh, 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 uh stories as sort mm. of an extra thing so like um you know so it'll collect like five issues or five progs of like a certain story and just kind of go through and stuff like that and it's where That's cool. so yeah it's where some of the lesser lesser stories of 2000 AD frankly over the time have been collected um wow. so you can get that online so well, like you know listen let's not get ahead of ourselves and start talking about hell trekkers when in fact <laughs> when instead we got to talk about like a good story with <laughs> through one nemesis the warlock oh man just a bunch of blimps blowing up. It's going to be great. That's right. Yeah. Script robot Pat Mills, art robots Kev- Kevin O'Neill and Brian Talbot, letter robot Steve Potter. I so, love how uh, they send messages between planets, by totally. the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we start with the Terminators, that evil military force of Torquemada from uh, future Earth of Termite, attacking the Gothic Empire on the planet uh, Mifking. The, uh, so the Goths, Fockers, are the, the Goths are this chameleon race that heard early human radio waves and now emulate early 20th century England, sort of like a steampunk galaxy quest, is how I would describe it. It's pretty great. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, Mave King was this town in South Africa where a major siege during like the Boer War took place. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's sort of got a thing. Anyhow, as it, as Miff King falls, General Cornwallis sends a message to London via cannon, which is pretty awesome. It's fucking great. Like, it's a, presumably it's just this message cannon um, designed to go super fast. It's just sort of always homed in on this one spaceport in the goth uh, capital of London. Then the message is picked up by, like, some sort of uh, air velocipede. And taken to the uh, the military leader of the Gothic Empire, the Ion Duke, which is surely a reference to the name. Yeah, totally. It's a reference to the Iron Duke, aka Duke Wellington, the dude who Mm. defeated Napoleon at Waterloo. So, uh, you know, 
he's like very much leading a life of leisure, like hunting and all that stuff. Um, he's like about to do some skeet shooting with Nemesis's familiar uh, Grabendoc. Not great for, for old Grabby. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and we and when he hears about uh, Maeve King, he is, is sure it's an, a misunderstanding because goths also hate aliens, as you can tell by this wall of trophy heads that he has. And yeah, they're all gross trophy heads, but you know. The termites hate all aliens of all kinds, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you're just getting into the bed with the wrong kind of people. Absolutely. So we see Nemesis flying into London as the Duke, like, puts on this, like, heavy diving bell kind of suit to, like, go to fight some, like, uh, uh, space, space eels, basically, with a cool harpoon. It's like, it's weird. It's just like, okay, now it's time for my, like, afternoon get in the water and, like, spear a fish yeah i mean he's like a rich guy so he can sort of like you know he's got like hunting facilities on on site you know <laughs> i guess it's just so bizarre absolutely um and while he's in there he can't hear anything so we see that his daughter and his trusted aide star blower uh which is a reference to horatio hornblower like you know uh english like a uh, sailing mm. guy and yeah um but they're both like begging him to ask Nemesis for assistance. And because the Ion Duke is so proud, he won't take their advice. And that's intentional because they're actually working for Torquemada to keep, you know, to like um, let the Goths be uh, captured. And then, you know, Torquemada will make them the, le- the leaders of the Gothic Empire after yeah, he's conquered it, basically. I'm sure that'll totally work out in their favor. I mean, this sort of thing has never backfired on anybody, you know? <laughs> No. <laughs> it's not an obvious, like, uh, trap and Torquemada can't be trusted, you know. But anyhow. <laughs> I guess let's just uh, bring him, like, a weird peasant girl for unknown reasons. Yeah. Nemesis. Or, or, or So we see um, Grabendock braving the crazy streets of London to find Nemesis. And the two traitors are heading to Whitechapel with a servant girl. Oh, that's where the phantom murders are happening. Um, and oh, they <laughs> enter the like smoke. like the Jack the Ripper. Yeah. I mean, Whitechapel is literally where the Ripper murders took place and stuff. Mm. Um, there's a phantom. Yeah, there's phantom murders all over the place. We see the smoky streets and a distinctive shadow appearing on the walls. Oh, it's definitely Torquemada. 100% Torquemada. So next prog, we open with a really amazing city, uh, steampunk cityscape. I mm. love it. As Nemesis flies into London, at last landing at the majestic airport hotel. He's so stately as he gets out of like the Blitzspear in this, awesome. yeah, in this like big cloak <laughs> with like a big like leather mantle on top of it and stuff. It looks so cool. <laughs> it looks pretty rad. Yeah. I mean, clearly dressed to impress. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, so much of Nemesis, especially when O'Neill draws him, is just the uh, like the sharp lines that he has and stuff. Mm. And so he really draws him um, when when O'Neill draws him in like these suits. He really like accentuates that even further um yeah and so the hotel management manager assigns him a valet and nemesis books a meeting with the iron duke in his hotel room nemesis prepares for a more diplomatic kind of war we see him taking a shower and getting ready whereas why fronts as the brits call him or briefs as we call him here in america oh yeah (laughs) he's a briefs guy yeah and we meet his valet and it's rojas what the nerk Watcher Humes. Yeah. Thousands of years in the future. He's still around cleaning out the kludgies and stuff. Um, oh, man. It's great. 
right now he's just bringing in some, I guess, just piping hot coal. Yeah, well, you know, because he's like he's been assigned to basically like just do like domestic stuff for Nemesis while he's at the hotel, essentially. Um, yeah, he like he's been working his wheels off and he complains a little bit, but Nemesis is too tired to listen. He promptly falls asleep in this big like torture chamber bed that he's got. <laughs> Likes to sleep on a bed of spikes and like a giant metal grate. It's weird. It's cool, man. He's a demon. That's how it goes. Um, That's we, fair. Yeah, and we see Grob and Doc like mo- escaping the various shoes of London. There's like a pogo shoes, a bunch of steam powered <laughs> roller skates and stuff. There's one there's little blimp shoes. Yeah, there's well like what's funny is that the blimp shoes have some other pairs of shoes behind them and so at first i thought that those were shoes that had their own pairs of shoes which is even better yeah i thought that too <laughs> i was like so confused it's real good um but yeah he finally grab and dog finally arrives at the blitz spear and gets picked up by Rojaws. we see nemesis at like the hotel restaurant eating from this like bondage feed bag basically as, um, it's pretty Pretty great. <laughs> pretty, pretty good. Yeah. As um, as Rojas comes in with with Grab and Doc, the ma- the manager like objects to this, and Nemesis like reprimands him so hard that his soul leaves his body, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, it's fucking terrifying, <laughs> it's man. Good. You know, you can't forget that he's this crazy warlock guy. You know. Um, don't fuck with my goddamn familiar. That's right. Nemesis learns of Torquemada's involvement in these recent phantom murders, and it's time to pay him a visit. Well, time to give Torquemada another spanking yet again. Yeah, and more importantly, to change art to change artist for the story. Um, Brian, what up, Talbot, Brian Talbot. Yeah, he takes over here. Um, like so many 2080 artists, um, Kevin O'Neill is off to America to draw comics for DC. No, though he'll be back a little, he'll be back much more than say Gibbons or Bolland was. He'll have a bunch of stuff in the four hundreds, including the just like high grade insanity of this story, Metal Zoic, which like whoa, that's huh. gonna blow your brain out. You'll eat your own Brian okay. when you check it out. Um, with <laughs> with with DC. He'll draw. He'll he'll do a bunch of stuff. I'd say his most his most noteworthy thing at DC was this story for um, the Green Lantern Corps Annual, which um, Green Lantern Corps Annual Two, where he basically drew this story written by Alan Moore that would sort of echo through the ages of the Green Lantern stories, like probably being sort of the basis of the uh, of the of the Blackest Night, like uh, multi I think multi year like <laughs> Green Lantern event and stuff, and also. Oh, wow. Also, that story was so, like, like it just featured this, like, planet full of, like, gross dudes. Like, you know, you've seen Kevin O'Neill draw gross aliens and stuff. Oh, yeah. So, it was just a planet of those guys, like, mind-bendingly gross. So gross that Ew. the American Comics C- Comics Code Authority said, like, now nah, we're banning this. This is too gross. Like, why? What? What's what's up? It's like, it's just disturbing. I don't like it. And so, they... Wow. <laughs> so, DC actually published it without the Comics Code, one of the first times they'd ever done that. Huh. Um, yeah, and then, um, you know, Talbot also, we've seen Talbot before in 2000 AD. He drew that Alan Moore future shock about the, uh, the mail order school for supervillains. Um, oh, yeah. He's going to be drawing the next, I think, like this one and then three more books of Nemesis, I believe. Um, and then he'll go on to work to do stuff also in America for like Hellblazer and a couple series of Sandman as well. Like, oh, cool. I like Sandman. Yeah, yeah, Him and uh, Neil Gaiman's involvement, of course, with 2000 AD is why um, our buddy Eamon at the Mega City Book Club covered uh, A Game of You, for instance, because he did some art for that. Um, oh, cool. And, like, World's End, a couple other um, 
uh, Sandman stories. Man, um, really is just the that pedigree, buddy. Yeah. yeah. So anyhow. Um, when this story starts, Tharg sort of says in a previous page that, um, the first two parts of this story by, by O'Neill, by, by Kevin O'Neill were done right after the initial Nemesis stories, like, um, uh, Killer Watt and, uh, Terror Tube in, in 1980, yeah. but I'm, I'm skeptical about this, I gotta say. Um, yeah. it feels pretty modern in terms of Kevin O'Neill's art that I've seen, and also, um... Like I don't feel like it was mind-bendingly detailed. It was yeah. beautiful. Don't get me yeah. There's wrong. no there's no illuminated borders the way w- which mm-hmm. he was doing for later Nemesis things and earlier Nemesis things. Like all the Nemesis stuff around this were where it would have been. Um, and also like there's just no good explanation for why like to get you from um, Killer Watt to I guess this new version of of Torquemada. Um, yeah. Anyhow, um, but yeah, so with Talbot, we're also sort of, we're we're getting a good view of the two ways that sort of comics and art sort of interpret uh, late 19th, early 20th century uh, sci-fi England, which is either as steampunk or as like ultra gothic, which is what we've moved to here. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Misty streets and like uh, lampposts. Yeah, very dark, like ink-based drawings and stuff like that. This is some of the darkest stuff we've seen since like Mike Dory's uh, Mach Zero stuff if you ask me strong agree just in terms of like the amount of like ink on the page you know what i mean (laughs) yeah exactly um but so yeah um we we're here in night chapel we see a bandaged like corkamon like a heavy coat and stuff as he prepares to eat this servant girl kitty from the first prog locks (laughs) yeah i don't know what that means I think it's like Lord or something like that. But yeah, he drains her soul with this weird, evil, like sci-fi needle thing. And both he and the traitors and Nemesis, though he's much further away, but still with the same destination, head for the Eagle Tavern. Uh, Which I guess, like, why would you take him to a public place? Like, why not just like being rich, just buy a house down there? I think they're trying to be inconspicuous. I don't know. It does. It's it's not how it works out, of course. Um, no. <laughs> at this bar, it's pretty raucous, and Torquemada is super disgusted by all these aliens pretending to be human. As the traders explain, they're members of like the Hellfire Club, which is just sort of you know, like man, if you're like plotting something in England, you're usually in the Hellfire Club. That's what you call your group. You know what I mean? Really. I mean, it's happened a bunch of times, I guess. You know, you can look it up on, on Wikipedia. I did, and it's kind of complicated. Of course, for me, huh. the Hellfire Club is always from X-Men, where it's a bunch of dudes in, like, sort of Regency era, uh, like, where all the men wear kind of Regency era cravat, like, uh, fancy clothes. The ladies, okay. the, uh, the, the, the ladies all wear, uh, dominatrix gear. And they're oh. very interested in Jean Grey doing specific things. <laughs> Uh, is that it? Are they very interested in her doing like BDSM and then dress up things? I mean, they do dress, they do like kind of brainwash her and she dresses up in these, yeah, like just sort of the like, you know, like, like a leather teddy and fishnets and high boots. And then all of her, all of her X Men friends get tied up and stuff like that put in a power nullification collars and only wolverine moving through the sewers fighting everybody can do it. yeah man dark phoenix saga this is like the x-men story it's in there <laughs> all like, right I'm, man I'm, I'm telling the truth and it happened and it continues on they all got like uh like a card names and stuff and yeah you know just good like 
Yeah, it's just real funny how like the uh, the guys all wear like these like suits with cravats, and the ladies all wear like cloaks and like uh, leather one piece swimsuits and stuff. Um, <laughs> anyhow, <laughs> anyhow, Fox, jeez, Fuck. good lord. Um, they're in, these traders are in the Hellfire Club. They're going to overthrow the current regime because they're tired of them of copying Earth from the early twentieth century. They want to copy Earth from the late twentieth century. All right, it's a big difference. They want to wear their David Bowies and shit. Finally, meanwhile, uh, we see uh, that there's a news report that war has been declared between Goths and Termites. Um, we see a brutal space war being fought by the Goths, like, uh, stop with space fighters and stuff. They got, like, dreadnoughts and all this kind of old-timey, like, you know, again, very kind of galaxy quest. Like, we've taken, like, World War One weapons and sort of turned them into space weapons, basically. Yeah, it's bizarre. It's, yeah, I, I think it's neat, but, you know, it's definitely not going to win it. in the battle. Yeah. So, uh, to- no. Torquemada is incensed when the Goths sing a version of Rule Britannia, which I think is pretty neat. It's all goth alien themed, you know. Rule Britannia, Britannia rules the stars, that kind of stuff. Dude, (laughs) our empire shall stretch from here to Mars. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Good. So a a very Lord Kitchener looking alien, like with the big mustache from the English version of the I Want You poster, um, like toasts the queen and uh, calls for the death of Torquemada and Torquemada shoots him in the back. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And then just continues to shoot fucking everybody. Yeah, in there. pulls out a machine pistol, guns everybody in the tavern down. It's real bad. But finally, Nemesis arrives. Ooh, it's the showdown. Oh, man, I'm going to take you out, Nemesis, with my gun. Or at least, you know, the first showdown to show that everything's serious. Then we can have the, late, the, the big showdown later. You know what I mean. Um, yeah, man, you got to you gotta have your pre-boss uh, fights that you can amp up for it later. Do some grinding. Yeah, well, you got to lose in Act 1 so you can win in Act 3, man. That's like what we call just how movies work, or stories, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, so the Gothic space fleet is easily destroyed by Terminator ships. As Torquemada and Nemesis showdown once more, Rojaws runs in with his like shovel hand to block a bullet that that, that uh, Torquemada shoots at Nemesis, and then mm. Nemesis opens up with his dragon's breath. Ooh, it's neat. Yeah, gets he gets real effed. It's just a running ball of fire at this point. Absolutely. Uh, Starblower comes in and confronts Nemesis to allow Torquemada to escape. And Nemesis probes his mind, seeing all the late 20th century things he longs to bring to life in the Gothic Empire. Like, there's definitely definitely David Bowie. Um, I see Groucho Marx. Like, there's a, there's a jukebox. There's a bunch of all other, other stuff. I see uh, Nixon's hiding in there. Whatever. Wow. <laughs> but, um... And and uh, it's funny because Nemesis is like, gee, you want to overthrow just to ape humans in a different way? Like, God, they're like their their cultural invasion is a plague as much as anything else, which I think is pretty neat, actually. Yeah, um, like it's this it's this um, idea of yeah of like invaders coming not just to physically invade, but also like you know in like re- replacing a native culture with their sort of like you know more high tuned things or something like that. Um, anyhow, the uh, um, burning away Torquemada desperately transfers to a new host body and escapes. The law arrives and Nemesis is accused of being the phantom murderer. What the F? Come on, uh, man. He just got in town, buddy. Uh, so he's brought he's brought to the station house as the traitors um, escape on a on a on like a space handsome cab. Um <laughs> 
they finally talk about what the what their plan's going to be, which is that a Terminator hit squad will kill Vic- Queen Victoria and the young goths of the Hellfire Club will take over. Um, the uh, goths, however, are feel- starting to get a little nervous about, you know, <laughs> Torquemada's obvious plans to uh, betray them and stuff, but he gives them his word. <laughs> you know, and you can really trust a guy who's like flesh is melting off of his face. Yeah, his from his newly re, re, uh, re, newly acquired body that's already being destroyed by his presence. <laughs> really, just you know, I put a lot of faith in in someone who looks like uh, the fucking monster mash. Totally. Yeah. Next time, Hammerstein's return. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm so stoked that the ABC Warriors are coming back to Nemesis. I'm stoked. I'm always, as always, I'm stoked that Nemesis is back. Um, I'm excited about Talbot doing the art. I think it's real fun. Sad to see O'Neill go, of course. Um, mm. But this should be a lot of fun. I'm really excited about it. Man, I'm just so happy about ABC Warriors. I hope everybody is everybody coming back. Is Joe Pineapple's coming back. I don't want to like give it away, but yeah, listen. All your favorites will be there. Um, oh my God! Kisses and hugs. I'm really excited. Oh God, God, yeah, it's gonna be so good. Gonna be real good. All right. Yeah, but speaking of uh, stories beginning, let's also talk about stories starting to end with Thrill Two Rogue Trooper. So, script robot for Rogue Trooper, Jerry Finley Day, art robot Cam Candy, letting robot Tony Jacob. Here we go, buddy. <laughs> oh man, and what a wake up call that we get cuz I guess it's just we're going to blow up some stuff. I yeah, guess. listen. Some Norts like open fire on what they think is rogues. They got some biochips seeking weapons, but they are instead gunned down themselves because rogue used the old uh spread the biochips around and burst out of the ground from hiding kind of trick. You know, he does it all the time. Um I guess he just knows that they can find his biochips. I mean, at this point, he's been fighting them a lot. You know, it's like been like, what, a couple years out here in the rogue town. Mm. Um, <laughs> he takes the Norts down real easily when suddenly a ship crash lands right next to him. It's Brandon Bla- and Brass. Oh, my God. Well, well, the body of one of them. Yeah, it's the body of Brass in a portable, in a portable ca- uh, casket. But Bland now needs one, too, because he's dying. <laughs> oh, no. I, yeah. And with my dying breath, uh, here's plot device. Yeah. he's He tried to get revenge on the Trader General, but um, it didn't work. He tracked him to his base in the far north of New Earth. But when he attacked, the war robots he had turned on him for some reason. And, like, yeah. one is still turning on him, and Rogue has to kill this war bot that attacked him decapitate um, it yeah well you know these ro- life is cheap for robots man it's a sad reality um <laughs> it's a horrible thing Rest yeah in peace random robo that's right bland gives um rogue the information about where to find the traitor general and then as he d- after he dies rogue blows up his ships so that they that those uh scavengers themselves won't be looted anyhow Yay. rogue knows where the traitor general is and now it's time for revenge so I guess let's go walk all the way to the polar ice cap. Seems like it. I mean, there might be some stuff like, you know, like in that um, message from Millicom story where you like hitched a ride on like a passing troop chain without them knowing about them. I've been some of that. But um, sure. anyhow, well, with one thing and another, Rogue makes his way north to this ghost front, this giant row where divisions of Norts and Southers fight an icy stalemate full of like huge trench warfare and stuff. But seems really not optimal. No, it seems real bad, especially because now they're all dead, and there's all this whole bunch of frozen corpses <laughs> everywhere. 
<laughs> on both sides. Everybody's both sides. dead. Yeah, everybody's dead. Everybody's just dying in place. A big magnetic storm breaks out, and suddenly Nort auto guns start to target Rogue. He tries to fire back with Gunner, but Gunner's malfunctioning, so he's got to grab like a rocket launcher just lying around and take like the uh, the, the weapon system out. But that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's cool, but it's very concerning that Gunner has malfunctioned. Meanwhile, at the you center know what else of is concerning. Yeah. Well, what else is concerning is that at the center of the polar zone, the traitor general wonders if the if the if that fighting was from Rogue, and he tells you know, yeah, so he tells his like weird plastic dolls that he has that look like Rogue Trooper. I mean, listen. <laughs> I'm just saying. First of all, it's real weird. Yeah, he uh, he says that he controls all the circuitry in this area, and yeah, he's tired of playing games, despite the fact that he's clearly gone to like Hero Forge or something and ordered a bunch <laughs> of custom Rogue Trooper miniatures, which we know from the cover of this thing is also probably hand painted. You know, and I'll tell wow. you that you don't want to be destroying those things, man. It takes a long time to paint those things. I feel like he he built all of them just to crush them with his fist in the right moment. That's ridiculous. I'm just saying that, like, I suddenly, as a miniatures painter myself, I feel a strange sudden kinship with the Trader General. (laughs) (laughs) So. (laughs) um, He's super into Warhammer. Oh, man, you know. Well, like, yeah, he only likes the fantasy version because the... The, few, the, the science fiction version is too close to home. Um, yeah, dude, he's living it. Yeah. Rogue makes his way to the traitor's base as the general sort of recaps his recent past, I guess. He escaped off planet <laughs> to scheme and plan, befriended a couple alien arms dealers and learned of their new device, the Master Chip, which allows the owner to control all circuitry in a given radius. And once it was ready, he just killed those aliens and took their stuff. <laughs> it's like, yep. All right. Here we go. He then used it to take out both North and Souther forces here in the Polar Zone. And now he's got a perfect base, can disable Rogue's main allies, the biochips. He does so and then sends a fleet of war robots against Rogue. Oh, my God. They're they're pulling a Rogue. They're coming out from the ground. Oh, no. That's his move. Oh, you, that's gimmick infringement. <laughs> easily um, got a trademark on that shit definitely yeah it's a robot attack it includes like friendly surgical robots <laughs> which are just like please hold still while we blast you um yeah rogue tries to fight but the chips aren't working he clubs his way through just using gunner as a bat and tries to escape the trader general sends a robe runner trackers after him which is rough because he was so he's such good friends with them during fort neuro um, Cutting him deep. Yeah. And then he makes his way back into the trenches of the ghost front, unaware. Oh, sorry. He makes his way into the ghost front as robo artillery pounds the area. And the whole time he's unaware that the biochips themselves are radioing in Rogue's position to the Trader General. It's <laughs> fucking realistic. It's cool, man. He's trapped and being betrayed by his own buddies. Next time on Rogue Trooper, extract the chip from his head. Oh. Okay, then. <laughs> getting final showdown parts of Rogue Trooper. The Hooray. Um, will be done with the Trader General storyline next episode. Okay, sweet. I am happy to hear that. <laughs> I mean, I do like how they're kind of like tying up some loose ends or sort of bringing in some old stuff as we get as we go through oh, this sh- part of the story. You know, bringing the Rogue Runners back to talk about them. Uh, you know, letting us know what happened to Brass and to a brand. Brass and bland and stuff. That's all good stuff for you know finishing up this thing so we can get on to the next stuff. Oh sure, yeah, good times. Um, but anyhow, just sort of continuing this thing. One story begins, one story ends, another story be- a whole new thrill begins. It's 
Thrill 3, The Hell Trekkers. Oh, yeah, man. We're getting out of this fucking podunk super city, and we're going to start our own podunk not-so-super city. That's right. It's all podunk, though. We know that. Um, so <laughs> script robot is John Wagner and Alan Grant as F. Martin Candor. Art robot is Jose Ortiz and Horatio Lalia. And art and uh, letting robots are Steve Potter, Tom Frame, and Tony Jacob. Hooray. Hey, let's get out of here. Yeah. So it's a new thrill. This one was meant to be in the Dread Fortnightly comic that was planned, but then scrapped. Um, So we're just doing it live here in the progs here. Um, I like the art of both Ortiz and Lalia. Lalia does a lot of stuff in like action as well. He did like the running, like the running man story, a couple other things. He's real good. I like how he draws dinosaurs. Um, Hell yeah. But man, this story is a bummer. Just like, hey, do you remember in the early days of this show when we talked about like Flesh Book One and you talked about like uh, it being like a metaphor for someone dying? (laughs) Yes. This is like, also like that, but mostly because a bunch of people die every uh, every prog. <laughs> I don't know if it's a metaphor other than just like, it is the organ trail, and it's the most accurate representation of me playing the organ trail ever. Uh, right. Except, well, I guess it just would have been a better organ trail if there were dinosaurs and like acid rain. Yeah, I mean, you know, we gotta, yeah, this is for, again, another one of these games from a Space Spinner video game development, you know? Um, anyhow. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, at the western gates of Mega City 1, a judge warns that beyond this point, it's a harsh land of danger and violence with no hope of getting any help from anybody. And that's fine with these guys, because it's better to die in hell than live in Mega City 1. A lot of people are going to die in hell. Let's get tracking. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like, you know, it's that bad. I guess it is. So let's yeah, leave. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so, you know, we got, it's a huge wagon train. It's 20, 28 rad wagons. I think it's like 112 people, I want to say, heading out. Jesus. Um, we we check in on a bunch of them. There's like uh, the Glemps who have a mutant crab for a uh, crab person for a daughter. The, yeah, uh, they wouldn't have let her. Uh, yeah, who would have been kicked out because she's a mutant. Yeah, <laughs> we've got. Crab uh, baby. Yeah, poor. It's real rough. The crab baby. We got uh, the Nebs, who are somehow these like violent hillbillies from Mega City One, but they're trekking ahead of getting caught for a big knee pad job. <laughs> oh <my> God, <laughs> sure, why not? Yeah, and we also focus on Luke on our trail on our trail leader and hero Lucas Rudd and his son and his wife and son as well as the trail guide banjo quint man i love me banjo quint i love how he's drawn i love how he acts he does so many cool things i love how he's so rough and just every time he says anything uh rudd's wife is like oh she's he's so rough (laughs) yeah what a vulgar man exactly so they're heading out just general mutant landscape beyond Mega City One, but they soon reach their first trial, Sauron Valley, home of the dinosaur herds. Hell yeah, man. Just don't spook them. We'll, yeah. we'll be all right. 
Totally, yeah. We start out with some plant eaters. It's all just big herds of like Diplodocus and Pterodons with some woolly mammoths just sort of for some flavor, I guess. Hey, um, why not? Yeah. They're forced to stop because Rolo Peterson, who's trekking in just a plain old moped instead of one of these armored um, rad wagons, blows a Seems tire. Seems like a bad idea. Seems like a bad idea. Um, while that one's being fixed, one of the nebs decides to use like the lasers mounted on his rad wagon to hunt a dinosaur, which causes a stampede. I feel like, you know, Banjo sure did say don't go out and doing that, and then they did it. These nebs. Um, <laughs> no, so, man. yeah, Dino Stampede, one of, the tre- one, one of the trekkers gets hit by a dinosaur tail and is killed. They activate their wagon sirens, which turns all the other dinosaurs in the other direction. Yeah, so Uncle Lanny has died, and some of the other trekkers want to kick out these nebs for causing the stampede. I mean, um, seems pretty fair. Yep. Uh, Rudd gives the lead neb a sock in the face. Tensions are high. Quint says that um, honor, like of just like being like, you know, like, oh, well, the nebs didn't know it was going to cause a stampede. Like that sort of like giving people the benefit of the doubt. Doesn't really have a place out here on the frontier, but he's not in charge of these guys. <laughs> yep. I mean, he's pretty right. Yeah. We get our first funeral of the trek. Going to have a lot of these. Um, Rudd re- um, rejects kicking out the nebs and we got to stick together that night. Rudd's son, Bud, and another boy are exploring the countryside. Hey, nothing's going to hurt us out here, except for these dang T-Rexes. Man, just like right behind him, just a slavering, slobbery T-Rex. Yeah, you got to be careful for these T-Rexes, buddy. So, T-Rex attack. (laughs) Uh, Bud escapes, but his buddy Wayne doesn't. I'm just saying, like, there's nothing better than watching a child get consumed by, like, three T-Rexes. It's always, the, it's always right. Absolutely. Um. <laughs> Especially when they're the asshole kid. He's like, oh, you're being a wimp. It's like, yeah, you got eaten by a fucking T-Rex. That's right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> totally. Yeah, time for another funeral, I guess. Anyhow, more sentries are posted. Um, but they put, and there's a weird thing in this comic where they put the final page on the back cover of the comic in color. I think it's just to make it more color. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, it's, I think it's weird just because it's the last page, but like there's Ace Trucking and Rogue Trooper between <laughs> like the, the second to last page of this comic, and the last one. Um, yeah. But, um, the Trekkers are rolling out, Radwagon's Ho, but those T-Rexes have, have developed a taste for human flesh. And now they want more. See, this is the problem with dinosaurs eating up uh, your people flesh. They're Absolutely. gonna come after you. Yeah. They love they love human food. Totally, yeah. Human humans ass food. Mm. <laughs> so uh Wagon Twelve has to pull off the side of the convoy for engine trouble, but they don't think it's a big deal. As there as that happens, a huge acid rainstorm sweeps through oh, as they're approaching Terra Hout. Um yeah. Which I guess just as you do, we watch a, an animal just being melted by it. It's kind of funny because I feel like, you know, like, as, I remember as a kid, acid rain being this really scary thing that was going to kill us all. But, like, it's something that was actually managed to be defeated pretty well by 1990s, like, clean air acts in a, in a, or, or clear act, clean air provisions in, in America. You know, that's mm. why we got to get rid of them so we can bring this acid rain back, I guess. Um, anyhow. <laughs> um, Rolo Peterson, again, the guy in the civilian moped, has his tires burned completely through by the acid. Fucking Um, novice. Seriously. Another wagon 
um, agrees to tow him on bare rims and the wagons continue forward. But as the rain comes down and they go up a steep cliff, wagon nine gets caught in a landslip. It falls down the hill and crashes and explodes. Most of the crew dies in the explosion, but one survivor escapes only to melt in the acid rain. Oh, it was fucking horrific. Man. Real like, good. Shit. Mel- yeah, real good acid rain melting here. <laughs> next Good time just destroyed. Yeah. Next time a farewell to Hemingways. All right then. Cuz cuz Hemingway wrote Farewell to Arms. Anyhow, uh yeah, Hell Trekker is pretty fun. Seen so much death in these Hell Trekker stories. It's amazing. I every somebody dies every single yeah. comic. It's pretty good. I mean, I think it's an interesting story. I really like the idea of modernizing this sort of like wagons ho, like wagon train kind of story to the sci-fi setting of Mega City One and stuff. But oh, yeah, man, man, this story is a freaking bummer, dude. Like, really? <laughs> like I remember, I was reading ahead a bit, a, a bit, and I just remember reading through this and being like, "Oh my god!" Like you know, we've talked about like Rogue Troopers sometimes being rough because it's so serious, and this thing's like super just depressing almost oh my god okay <laughs> like set my thrill circuits to bummer i mean you know like hey yeah, yeah yeah like i think you're gonna be even telling you this i think it's still gonna be pretty surprising just how many people actually make it to the end of the road <laughs> jesus okay yeah. well but uh, great yeah speaking of adversity as you travel fox it's oh, man. non-thrills covers a nerve center hooray <laughs> On Prague 387, Nemesis is looking cool in his snappy suit in front of some power blimps. Yeah, factories and Torquemada as the Gothic Empire story begins. Hell yeah. Um, Since it's sort of a restart, Prague, there's no real nerve center this week. Instead, Tharg just sort of explains everything as usual. Like, talks about the new stories, the letter policy, and intro to sort of what the deal is with Tharg himself, you know? Um, Mm. there's also an announcement of this Dungeons and Dragons, like serial commercial comic, which we will be covering on the podcast because I don't care. Um, (laughs) there's also, I love this prog because there's a huge section in the middle of it for this year's annuals from IPC. Um, Jesus. And I, I love it. You know, we've already covered all of the uh, 2000 AD related annuals this year. Um, so, you know, there's no mystery there, but I do love these ones for like uh, girl celebrity magazines. <laughs> like, oh boy, annual. And it's my, best for boys. Yeah, and my guy annual as well. Um, oh just whatever. There's also a, a Jim will fix it annual, which is not cool just because of history. Um, anyhow, uh-huh. I mean, it'd be like if there was like a Bill Cosby annual kind of. But, oh. like, even even worse. Um, okay. <laughs> so, there's also some good reader art of aliens, including a very DR-looking uh, alien guitarist, and this cool alien guy to just sit in an alien-looking chair reading 2000 AD. Hell yeah, and, man. Three eyes makes it all the better to witness the power within the pages. Absolutely. And this prog ends with a who, who's who of the Hell Trekkers, Breaking down, you know, just the characters that are in each of the 25 rad wagons, mostly by family. Don't get too attached to anybody. Great. <laughs> Sorry, I know I'm saying Great. this a lot, but I was really just my feeling when I went through Hell Trekkers. It's just like, oh my gosh. Um, anyhow, in Prog 388, Cam Kennedy draws the Trader General destroying one of his cool Rogue Trooper miniatures. Which, man, those take time to paint, dude. She's like, Damn. kick him out of my store. Um, in, in the nerve center, Tharg Lennon warns of this prog's extreme thrill power. 
There's a picture of a ace trooper, and then a Kiwi reader complains that it takes like three months for progs to reach them. It seems like a, a ridiculous amount of time. Um, They'll fix this uh, by airdropping uh, every couple of weeks uh, the progs that you need. Yeah, we'll see. Um, <laughs> we also learned that the Styx brothers have mutated tough skin. That's why they're mutants. Um, I think we've also seen them have, have super strength previously in the in, in the comics, but they don't make a big deal about it for sure. Okay. Um, there's also letters about when various thrills starts, females, GIs, and some corrections about Spud Murphy's last words. Um, this comic also has a full page ad for Conan the Destroyer, and okay. while one one of my favorite movies is Conan the Barbarian, I don't really like Destroyer that much. I got to say personally, although Grace Jones is the greatest. I have never seen Conan the Destroyer. There's a lot more, like, one of the things that I love about The Barbarian is that there's so many of these, like, long, silent things where you just sort of let, like, the vistas of where they're filming yes. and, like, Conan or, uh, you know, Arnold's, like, limited, like, acting, but, like, it's his physicality sort of do a lot of the talking and stuff like that. Whereas with this one, there's a lot of, like, sort of um, secondary characters actually having, like, discussions about fantasy theology and stuff, which no. I feel like takes away from what, like, it's a big miss of what makes the uh, first movie so great. Although, again, man, Grace Jones is real good in it. I really like her. And, and you know, Arnold's, <laughs> Arnold's real good, too. So it's good times. Something right. for everybody. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, and then this prog ends with the second half of the Hell Tracker poster. So many rigs, so many future corpses. Uh, 389. Oh <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're all technically future corpses if you think about it, but still. Um, Whoa. Yeah, you think about it. Um, 389, a machine, a myth, or a man? Dread is a case for treatment in this Ron Smith cover. I um, vote man. Yeah, maybe. Kind of a myth, too. You know, I mean, he's honestly more of a myth than a man when you think about, like, what comic book stories are. But anyway, in, uh, in the nerve, yeah, taking just Conrad destroying all of the preconceived notions here. Um, <laughs> in the nerve center, Tharg, the logo, explains that this issue's letters have all been answered by Dredd himself. He discusses oh. the different kind of lawgiver bullets. Um, he's asked how old Dredd is, how old he is, and Dredd says that's classified, but I've done the math, and I believe he's 37 at this point. He was uh, born in 2069, and it's 2106 in the comic, which means that at this point, uh, I'm the same age as Judge Dredd, which, is gonna, which, is, which freaked me out this week. Anyhow, <laughs> there's questions about the Dredd swear words, how judges have money to like buy stuff. And uh, how one becomes a judge. Then mid-prog, there's a cool full-color comic book ad for Robotech by Frank Langford. Um, hey, why not? Robotech's yeah, totally. Cool. Yeah, there's a pair of articles. One plugging the Strontium Dog computer games, Death Gauntlet, and The Killing, complete with an ad for Big K Computer Magazine. Earlier in 1984, when, I, when we talked about doing our own Battle Royale game for The Killing, I got mm. a thousand messages saying that there already was a game based on The Killing. Because I forgot about it at that point. And like, man, I just, I dishonored myself. What can I say? Like this and the location of Mount Rushmore in our coverage of the Cursed Earth are like my <laughs> two, oh, oh, wait, and sorry, and, uh, and playing Conkers with hazelnuts instead of horse chestnuts are my three, I, my three great failures that I will never live down so far I in this still, podcast. I still don't understand Conkers. You know, you get these nuts and you smash them into each other, buddy. That's the, that's the answer. Um, so it's pogs, but cheaper. Yes. And you can eat them. I don't know. Yeah. Can you? I don't know. I don't want to talk more about this because I'm going to get it wrong. I don't want to, keep, I don't want to get yelled at again. 
Um, <laughs> there's also an explanation for uh, the O'Neill to Talbot transfer for Nemesis, which we talked about during the Nemesis story in uh, in Prague 390. The biggest collection of oddballs I've ever seen, and they're all judges. Oh uh, yeah, Brett Ewins draws the Wally Squad. Nice. Yeah. Um, in the nerve center, Tharg, the Lord Zarjaz, once again warns us to be <laughs> safe with fireworks. This guy Fox Day. Um, there's a picture of Rogue Trooper. I guess. And, yeah, I mean, man, so it's you got to be careful about these fireworks, man. You blow your hand off, then you get a cool hook. I gotta say, um, in the American version of Guy Fox Day, Fourth of July this year, um, I went to just my next door neighbors were were shooting off professional grade fireworks that they had bought across the state line in Phil- in uh, Pennsylvania. It was real Jeez. awesome and real dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Living on the edge, huh, Conrad? I mean, you know, it wasn't me doing it, but these like there was definitely like high high chance of hand and face blowing off. Anyhow. <laughs> There's um yeah so there's letters from readers who get comics sent to Peru from their friends in England. Prague's kept oh. under lock and key in two different situations, and uh, <laughs> questions about storing old Prague's. Then mid Prague, there's a cool color pinup of pig of piggy princess Gatarina. At last, my prince have arrived. <laughs> <laughs> She's so wonderful. I like uh, I like the um, God damn it, what's his face? Bella Dinelli, yeah, uh, cameo in it. Oh yeah, definitely, man. He's he's got a lot of them in this in this episode for yes. sure. <laughs> totally. But speaking of uh, thirty-seven-year-olds having uh, questions about their place in the world, it's goddamn <laughs> through for Judge Dredd. So so <laughs> crazy that shit. Some I'm like I was telling Fox before the show that when I read this for like especially this first like these first three Judge Dreads I was like I was feeling very seen by this thirty year old thirty five year old comic and very freaked out about my own life choices. But anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, script robot John Wagner and Alan Grant is TV Grover. Art robot Ron Smith and Brett Ewins. Letting robot Tom Frame. So, very kind of low... Yeah, these are some low-key but cool dreads this episode. I really mm. like it. Um, we start with this awesome full-color image of the Apocalypse Day parade. I guess it's the f- four, like second anniversary of the, of, of the Apocalypse War. And so much so they're going to have a parade. Well, it's so cr- it's as crazy as you'd expect from Mega City One. There's like a bunch of floats. Many of them are let's have more apocalypse wars. <laughs> it's just like what the fuck. Like a lot of like people dancing around mushroom clouds and stuff. There's at least one that's a memorial for the fall, and that's just literally like a ten story high pile of dead bodies. <laughs> I don't understand what These guys, they have to have fun, I guess. Um, but Dredd's here to work tr- crowd control and to talk things out with the judge who did his rookie evaluation, uh, Judge Morph, just like how he did it for, say, Judge Giant or Judge Decker. Um, Jub- judge Morph has a sweet mustache. Yeah, he's an old guy, so he's got kind of a, mu- a white mustache, and he does that kind of thing, like... Uh, I'm trying to think about what, like maybe like Dennis Farina or something like that, where he or or Stacy Keach actually, I think is the best guy who does this. Where he's this old guy, he's got a mustache, and he knows that he looks cool as shit when he smiles with that mustache. <laughs> um, 
Like, that's just my my experience. Because we see him smiling a lot just as he, like, yells at everybody that's doing this thing. You know, so Dredd... I love is, how passively they deal with the crowd. Absolutely. Yeah, so Dredd's here to talk about this recent case he had where he killed a perp instead of disarming him. And because of that, he's starting to doubt, like, his judgment in general, his place in the world, like, what the role of the judges are and should be in this mega city society and stuff like that. Mm. And yeah, like you said... I love how Dredd's having this big soul-searching moment as he and Morph are just casually kicking the shit out of everybody in this crowd, yelling at them, telling them to get back, arresting them and stuff. And then kind of like they take a sentence to do that and they get right back to talking about this like serious topic. It's <laughs> it's, it's real good. crazy. I'm like, is are you really having that existential crisis now? Yeah, definitely. There's no time else. You know, they sleep 10, 10 minutes a night, Fox. You know, that's there's, true. There's no time to think about it. Um, Morph sort of agrees and he sort of explains that, yeah, like this is something that all judges have to go through at some point. Um, you know, you could like take a desk job, spend some time thinking about things, all that stuff. But listen, Dredd, I know you, you need to be on the street. So you got to do my method. And that is to get a pair of boots that are one size too small. <laughs> Put those suckers on and they'll hurt so goddamn much that you won't have time to think about ethics <laughs> or reality or have a soul to search because you'll just be angry at the world because you're tight ass shoes <laughs> and he's like it, you know he drives away and he's like uh, it's weird then as he's passing his story he's like no he right, gets those boots you never know yeah, yeah he gets, like, he, you never know he requisitions those fucking boots <laughs> It's <laughs> really great. It's real good, yeah. So we we continue this sort of theme as Dredd is called before the uh, chief judge. He's in trouble because it looks like he's punched another judge in the face and basically caved all of his teeth in, which is pretty awesome. Oh, that's it's real great. He is not having a good teeth day. Mm-mm. Um, so it looks like he. So the story goes that Dredd was investigating the case of a ki- of a child stolen rat, pet rat. Uh, Dredd go investigates and meets the Crickle family. Their daughter, Bonnie, is just a brain in a jar attached to a robot kid. Uh, not great. Yeah, it turns out that she fell into a chem pit and lost her body. God, it's really fucking horrible. Yeah, and they toss the brain into a robot, but the brain's still kind of damaged and she's not really like herself. We see that she has a uh, of mice and mend the, uh, pet ra- the, the pet rat, you know? Yes, uh, and apparently this operation cost them all of their money and they had to go into debt and they're probably going to die in debt. But at least they saved their daughter, except their daughter is kind of fucking crazy. Yeah, like, not I really don't know well what to saved. do, man. Yeah. Um, so Dredd takes him to the doctor and then uses his, like, chief judge discretion to pay for the rehab of Bonnie's brain, which is like 130,000 credits. Um, the, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And the treatment works, actually. Everything seems great. Like, Dredd shakes hands with the fixed up Bonnie and stuff, and everything seems great. But... Tragedy strikes again as the refurbed robot Bonnie gets rejected by the jerk kids of her city block. She runs away right into the street and into the path of an oncoming truck. She gets scattered across the road. And that's why you follow the Green Cross code, Fox. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she doesn't have eyes. You can still stop and look. You can still check both ways. Bonnie's dead. You can't if you can't see. She can see. She was just blinded by sadness because kids are jerks, especially yeah, I futuristic guess, so that's, kids. So that seems more of like she had a death wish. 
messed up. Anyhow, uh, Bonnie's dead for real, and then this Winslow guy, <laughs> who was a bean pusher judge, comes after Dredd for the expense of fixing her. Dredd asks him to leave him alone, but he doesn't. And in frustration, he punches Wiz- Winslow in the face, just destroying him. <laughs> yeah. Mind you, Judge Dredd did say that he was completely guilty of what he was being accused of. Yeah, no, he accepts full responsibility. And so because of that, the the chief judge basically lets him off, being like, okay, you got a sterling record otherwise, so just being called in is a huge black mark on your record and stuff. Um, mm. She holds him back, though, and basically says, like, this stuff's unacceptable, and, like, between this and the conversation that he had with Judge Morf, which Morf uh, reported, of course, um, she's worried about him. So she wants Dredd to go in and have an evaluation about his mental state, so he go, he's going in for a psyche valve. Oh, yay. Gonna go see a shrink. This'll be a thing. It's something. Yeah, we see, we cut to Dredd uh, stripping down for his psyche valve, which involves, like, chemical hypnosis. Um, and apparently is, has dog tags? I've never seen him with dog tags. I mean, we've, I feel like we've never seen him with his shirt off either, so who knows? Um, That's fair. Yeah, so we kind of go back through his whole life. We see him, like, joining the, like, come, like, you know, being cloned, joining the academy, excelling, meeting Rico, hitting the streets. You know, loving, like, enforcing the law and all that stuff. We get a cool redo of, um, like, Dredd carrying Rico after Rico come, came back from Titan and tried to kill him, you know? Mm. Like, that's from, like, Prog 36, so it's neat to kind yeah, of, Jesus. you know, see this sort of interfacing with sort of earlier parts of the Dread story, which we haven't really gone, gone back into that much, you know? Um, but anyhow, the psych judge basically, like, Reinhardt, the psych judge, basically... Just um, comes back and says that this stuff kind of happens when you've been on the street for like 20 years, you know? Yeah. Like it's just going to happen as you sort of just, you know, dispense the law and deal with these kind of problems constantly. Um, He discusses options with Chief Judge Magruder. Like if she wants him to keep out out there, if, if she wants him to keep him out here, out there on the street doing stuff as normal, they should probably just freaking lobotomize him and burn the emotion centers out of his brain. <laughs> Like what a great guy! Like they don't say lobotomize him, but like that's what burning the emotion centers out of your brain is basically. Um, Magruder says absolutely not. That would like lessen his ability to do things, and so instead he suggests just like listen, okay, keep him busy, but have him do new things, different stuff. He can't just be out there on the street constantly. You got to mix things up. Um, and Magruder agrees to this, and that she, like, sort of mentally says that Dredd had better prepare for his sternest test since the Apocalypse War, but first he's got some problems with an with arms dealing to deal with. Okay, well, there we go. And let's yeah. deal with those arms dealers. <laughs> yeah, Brett Ewens takes over on art, and yes, Fox, it is indeed literal dealing of human arms. <laughs> 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 we meet a uh, fast Pino and Sullivan Shea judges on the Wally Squad, which is the the team of undercover judges. Basically, um, they wear costumes that go deep undercover and enforce the law and stuff. I and which I guess is like basically getting people entrapped into stuff. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, they just sort of like do criminal things and periodically, um, yeah, just just drop the boom and arrest you. Essentially, you know. <laughs> It's kind of just whatever it takes, I guess, right? Honestly, this doesn't seem any more entrapping or weird than any undercover-based cop show that I've seen on TV, you know? I mean, they offer the money. 
And the money's, like, right in front of them. But, like, regular cops do that and stuff. It's no different than, like, 21 Jump Street or Miami Vice or something like that. I feel like you can't actually solicit people in this way, but, yeah, whatever. I mean, they're just sort of taking them up on their offer, you know? Like, Peru is, like... The uh, this arms dealer Peru is looking to sell these arms after they're left over from a big purge in like uh, South America's sit or whatever they call it. Um, what the fuck? <laughs> it's got a thousand and arms. Everyone keeps saying every time they reference it, they're like, "Oh yeah, the purge." I'm like, yeah. "What the fuck? The purge?" No one knows. Yeah, the, well, I guess we'll deal with it eventually. Um, but yeah, a million credits for a thousand arms. Like, hey, how about some organs, man? If we had organs, we'd be selling them for ten million, buddy. Um, Jeez. <laughs> Dread gets called in because they call in a senior judge, um, a street judge, I guess, whenever the Wally Squad guys get kind of squirrely. And these guys asking for a million credits for a deal, but not asking for backup is kind of squirrely. Um, Dread orders. So weird. Yeah, he orders surveillance on them, and when the deal goes down, he has them observe it. A uh, spy, a spy in the sky drone, follows the Wally squatters like as they get in the car with Peru, the dealer. When they're under an overpass, the car is picked up into like the uh, the back ramp of like a truck, and then the That's truck awesome. kind of draws drives off, and it's like, oh, we lost them. <laughs> but did they? But did they? Seems like it. Um, anyhow. Those guys are on their own. Next time, The Sting. Awesome. Also, I should say next episode, we'll be starting the next dread epic, City of the Damned. What the fuck? Really? Yeah. And that's what um, Magruder's talking about when it's the thing that's going to test dread the most since the Apocalypse War. Awesome. City of Damned's going to be okay, I'd say. I don't think it's the be- it's, it's It's definitely not not the best dread epic, but it's fun. Oh, man. Scott Andrew. Vampires? Um, yes. It's got... Um- <laughs> It's got vampires. It's got uh, Judge Anderson. It's got How Judge can Hershey. This be bad? How can this be bad? We'll get to it. God damn it! It can't I, be bad. All of I, I like those things. That yeah, you, said. you know, we'll we'll talk about it. I mean, obviously, it's it's it's, it's in the podcast, <laughs> bro. Like, you know, I don't want to like blow my wad for what I'm going to talk about in two episodes time on two episodes ahead of time. You know, yeah, that's fair. Like, whatever. I get like like footnote. I guess. Um, like Grant and Wagner get bored with it and just cut it and can cut it short. <laughs> oh my god! Great. Anyhow, speaking Ugh. of um, I guess yeah, of a uh, new adventures. And labor difficulties. <laughs> wow. Because Dred's been sort of a, been a, a troublesome... Yeah, people need attitude adjustments. It's uh, okay. <laughs> working through it. 305 Ace Trucking. <laughs> attitude City. Totally. Yeah, so script robot Alan Grant and John Wagner's Alan Grant. Art robot Massimo Bellardinelli. Letting robot Steve Potter. At the Beehive K Depot, Ace takes a load of medical supplies and prepares to ship out... But the crew needs a word. Uh, yeah, man. We need money. Yeah. Fika's been elected crew representatives. He says they're tired of being mistreated. They want back pay. And they want wa- future wages in advance. And no more harebrained schemes. Jesus. <laughs> um, Seems pretty fair, all of that. Yeah. Instead, everything's got to be put to a vote. Ace says no way. And so Feek GBH and Chiefy the Pigrat go on strike. Um, this not is not a great situation. Yeah, it's surely a reference to the big comic strike that we had earlier this year that led to 2008 mm-hmm. not not coming out in July. You know, um, mm. but anyhow, uh, the ghost, the ship's AI, also goes on strike. You know, one out, all out, all that stuff. 
Um, Click. Yeah. In a huff, Ace heads to the Lugsters Union and passing a Bella Ardinelli bam pot as he goes. Because um, <laughs> he's got to hire some scabs, dude. Boo. Um, anyhow, instead of scabs, he finds the prospect of future scabs, namely in the f- f- form of evil blood with a cutlass. He's still around. He's still trying to kill you. Yeah, good. Don't hire scabs. Anyhow, uh, Ace makes a run for it from the enraged pirate. He turns down a scab offer from some kind of skinny hookah dude alien. From some kind of scab, more like it. Yeah, some sort of scab skinny hookah dude, man. Anyhow, um, (laughs) Ace is on the run back past the Bellardinelli Bampot as Evil Blood chases him, you know, to the ship. Ace uh, g- gets to the Speedo Ghost and begs to be let in as the crew continues to protest. They s- fix a Ace in the airlock as Evil Blood stands outside trying to kill Ace. They Jesus. basically tell him to give in to his demands, and he's got no choice. He gives in, the hull's electrified, and Blood's taken down. Yeah, so <laughs> the Speedo Ghost, now a Democratic collective, takes all the advance <laughs> money Ace just got for their current job and takes off with Evil Blood swearing revenge. Uh, once again, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I gotta say, something we haven't mentioned before that I really like about Evil Blood, it's real apparent here, is how it's not a huge change, but the tattoo on Evil Blood's chest's facial expression, he's got a big skull tattooed on his chest, will oh, change yeah. a little bit. <laughs> like, it doesn't do it a ton, but it's there, and you can sort of keep an eye out for it. Yeah, no, when he got shocked, it had a surprised face on, yeah. and like when he was all fucked up, it's got like kind of a sad, burnt-out face. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like Ace's uh, scarf, where they don't really discuss it, but you, it just kind of does extra stuff behind his, like, sort of, in, cool. in addition to whatever else the character is doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, worth keeping an eye out for just as we do this stuff. Um, the ship arrives on the sick planet of Decrepos with a bunch of medical supplies, um, since it's now a collective ship, Ace suggests that GBH handle the cargo handoff, but he's clearly just trying to avoid having to get all the shots you need to do to get, get go outside on this planet. Um, after some hemming and hawing, Ace is forced to take all 17 shots in the behind. Um, oh, not and, great. Yeah, he's got a bad case of sit down, of a no sit down itis. <laughs> then heads out on the he planet. He's calling his butt his eggs, which yep. is not what I call. I don't. Yeah, yeah, that's not the part of my body that, that I, I call my eggs. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so so when he said it, I got very confused for a moment. I was like, they didn't like, inject his balls. No way. Yeah, well, I mean, who knows what's what on Ace? He doesn't necessarily have a human anatomy. Um, that's he, fair. Yeah. So uh, he goes out. He, uh, you know, makes the trade, gets the money, gets a crazy big decontamination thing. And GBH just snatches the money out of his hands and he gets out. <laughs> yep. Hey, you still owe us a shitload more money. Yeah, like 750,000 bi- uh, bims in back pay. Jesus. Um, yeah, Ace has got no money, and he can't even sit down on his sore keister. He's got to do something about it. It's horrible. Yeah, we cut to a uh, successful trucking montage. Without any foul-ups or schemes, Ace Trucking is actually making a profit and not getting in trouble for the first time ever. <laughs> what the fuck? How is it even possible? <laughs> yeah. Ace is, of course, getting none of this money. Um, and it's all going, because it's all going to back wages for the crew and stuff. He can't even afford to get drunk at the truckers' union. And they won't buy him drinks, because even though he used to buy them drinks, because they know that he was just doing that to like, make them not care about the back wages. Yeah. That was pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> anyhow, 
He's totally broke, except when he takes off his giant boot and he's got his emergency funds, a thousand bims in there. Sweet wiggly toes. Oh yeah, Ace has got a weird anatomy. We know it. Um, it's not a lot of money, but it's enough to do for the job he has in mind. Which I guess is to fuck with his crew. Yeah, shortly afterwards, at the truckers' union, a uh, gross, short alien with tentacle arms and legs and lotus blossom eyes um, tells Feek and GBH that he's gotten rich quick doing something that is a trek for... a uh, One trip for a million bims. The boys get him so drunk that he spills the beans, or uh, worms, I guess, as it is, because he talks yeah. about the, the planet of Aroboros. Where there's a whole planet and they eat nothing but worms. <laughs> and then I got this other planet. She's got a bunch of lakes full of worms. Tubefaxia is covered in worms. You shovel them aboard and you sell them and you get rich. Anyhow, um, the crew heads out to make their fortune on worm and worm accessories. And Ace is pretty stoked because they fell for it. Oh, man, what's going to happen? I guess we'll find out uh, next time we record. Yeah, as the worm turns. Anyhow. Oh, gosh. <laughs> All right. Yeah, fun ace trucking story. I like this collective thing and just like the crew getting a little bit more, um, you know, fighting back against ace doing dumb schemes and stuff like that. Which um, seems to be working. Yeah, seems to be it's, really working out. It's for funny everybody. how, yeah, how how it's one of these. It's one of these stories. Um, like uh, I feel like a kind of a how how I met your mother thing, where you kind of realize that the big problem is the main character himself. You know, like if you kind of take the main guy out, everybody's doing pretty well when you think about it. <laughs> but wow. oh yeah, but speak, talking about keeping it short and sweet, we go to Thrill oh. Six Future Jocks. Man, one pager. One a, page. Yeah. The Castaway. Script wrote by Peter Milligan. Art wrote by Jeff Sr. Letting wrote by Peter Knight. Uh, one pager. Uh, crew member has crashed a spaceship. He's pretty bummed about it. It's all his fault for crashing the ship because he's the ship's computer. AIs will kill us all. Bam, bam, bam. There we go. Yeah, and that's all, all there is to say. Um, and that takes us to our final thrill. Speaking of uh, product tie-ins, Fox, it's Thrill 7 Star Shadow. Let's, uh, let's do a D&Ds. Yeah, the art robot is uh, Tim Cell, and I couldn't figure out if this guy has done any other work because when I put his name into Google, it instead gives me the information about artist Tim Sale, who I guess is the present tense <laughs> version of this guy. <laughs> who, um... <laughs> well, this is the... I mean, we're in the future. We're reading about a guy from the past, so it was Cell then. It's Sale now. I guess so, but you know, Tim Sale's a guy that does all like the uh, not not Batman Year One itself, but like the uh, stories associated with that, like Long Halloween and Dark Victory and stuff, as well as like yeah. the Marvel um, color comics, like a uh, cap, like a uh, Daredevil Yellow, Captain America Blue, uh, Incredible Hope Gray, those ones. Um, I don't know what that means. I mean, you know, he's just a cool artist guy, and that's nothing to do with this Tim Sale guy because the past yeah. tense version is a much worse artist anyhow <laughs> these are dumb single page comics that are in a series that are supposed to get you hype for dungeons and dragons it's original red box classic D. that's why our heroes a lady elf named morwen starborn and a halfling a dude named matt gray shadow are just races instead of like a wizard and a, and a rogue you know this is back right, when then. halfling was the class anyhow oh yeah 
They're at a tavern, as you do with a D&D adventure starting, when a dude that's been shot by arrows stumble in, and the town is under attack by wolves and goblins. Roll initiative. Uh, next up, next door, next time, Morwen fights off go- the goblins, but Matt's been kidnapped by them, so Morwen goes after them. Uh, she catches up with Matt at a keep owned by a, a frost giant. He's pretty scary, but the pair are able to kill him in one panel and take his loot, including a cool gem. Uh, finally, Sweet. yeah, finally, heavy with loot, they go have a nice dinner at a tavern and Matt flashes the gem around. The pair leaves for the night, unaware they're being followed by a shadowy figure with a knife. Next time, <sighs> a whisper in dark places. Oh, man. What's going to happen? I don't know. They're probably just going to beat this guy easily as they've beaten all their other challenges easily. <laughs> Great. Anyhow, man, with that, Fox, we finished the comics for Progs 387 to 390, October and November 1984. Getting to the end of this oh year. Oh, my God. How did we even make it through all the way? There's a lot going on, man. A lot of good stories. You know, this was a jump in, so it's a lot of stories. You know, everything's starting new this episode, so that's pretty cool. But the question is, what were your top and bottom thrills? So, you know, I'm going to say I really super loved uh, all of this this month. Um, Nice. There wasn't anything that I particularly, like, hated, hated outright or anything like that. Um, I wanted to just kind of give a shout out to Judge Dredd for being fucking fantastic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ace Trucking for being funny and... For the first time, I'm not I'm not putting Nemesis on on the top while he's here. It was Whoa. great. It's fucking fantastic and beautiful. I'm gonna put Hell Trekkers up on the top spot. You know. Oh, neat. I uh, I got a real kick uh, out of the story. Um, you know, I think that uh, Rudd, I believe, is his name, right? Yeah, the main guy. He's not uh, super interesting. It, it's got kind of like a what is it like a death planet not not as bad as that but whatever like protagonist problem mm-hmm. um that needs to get ironed out pretty quick uh be a little bit better if he was if he was a bit more of a character but other than that man like yeah i'm into this like it seems like getting across the cursed earth is fucked you just yeah. generally shouldn't do it uh, absolutely or at least listen to the old curmudgeonly tracker and yeah. i'm i'm Excited to see where this goes, uh, even if depressing. Totally, um, yeah. I think, yeah. you know, I think um, Rudd is kind of an everyman who does not have a ton of detail. But I think it's because the uh, the rest of the crew is really quirky and stuff like that. That, like, yeah. if he was also a big character himself, that would be almost, like, oppressive almost. Well, I, I can kind of get behind that. I mean, I, I get he's supposed to be like, that's the late type yeah. of Rasa. That's the point, at least, and we'll see how well that that's carried off in the course of the story. You know, yeah, okay. So it's a it's a good month. What's your bottom? Uh, I'm I mean just solid rogue trooper. I'm good. Mm. I like I didn't hate it. Didn't hate it. Uh, I'm just ready for it to be done for a little <laughs> while. I I need. I know it's it's just been going so so long, and not not in like necessarily bad ways it's just repetitive ways yeah it lacks the variety that that uh, that that dread has to give an example of another long-running one right mm, exactly. that's my feeling at least um so hey conrad i here i am gabbing about my top and bottom but here you are not telling me about yours you tell me right now i'll fight you <laughs> oh no a moment on this podcast where i'm not talking it's amazing um anyhow <laughs> Um, hey, I can say, you know, I'm aware. Anyhow. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. Fuck so for self-aware. <laughs> something. So uh, for my bottom, you know, 
I'm gonna, I could say Rogue Trooper. I could say Star Shadow. That's part of why I tossed it on here oh just as gosh. a sacrifice. Fuck Star Shadow, buddy. Um, yeah, it's but, real bad. <laughs> um, but I mostly agree. Like, definitely, if you're just ranking the best, the, the stories, I'm going to put, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm less enthralled with Hell Tracker, Hell Trackers, but I'd, I'd put it above Rogue Trooper. Um, and yeah, you know, but, um, so I really like Nemesis. Nemesis is real good. But um, I'm going to say Judge Dredd this week because oh yeah, the Dredd questioning, questioning his judgment, questioning like his world and like what he what he's done his whole life and stuff like that. Like for some reason, really just like hit me right in the soul and like really like Damn, this was like like as I was reading it, it was one of the only times like when especially like when I um when um. When Magruder like sends him to a psyche val, I actually like skipped ahead and read the dread story from the next issue, which I never do. I usually just read straight through all these progs and stuff. Oh wow. So just kind of you know, that's a minor thing, but just to give you an idea of sort of how into the story I was. You know, it's not like it's not an epic, it's not like a barn burner or anything like that, but it really had a lot for me personally, and so I gotta give it top just because Man, you that's know, great. Yeah, it kind of spoke to me in a way that I don't really expect from these comics <laughs> i mean that's that's the point of of ingesting yeah. stuff you know to to make you feel things yeah right yeah make you feel make you feel things and hopefully something happens i think is how we talked about uh skiz <laughs> at the end of last year uh, <laughs> man Any- we're geniuses yeah <laughs> Anyhow, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or on our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. On Twitter, Space Spinner 2K. Everything else, look up Space Spinner 2000 and we'll be there waiting for you, staring back. Um, anyhow. <laughs> Come back next time as Rogue Trooper gets his man. Dread heads for the City of the Dead. The the Ghosters stay on on strike. The Trekkers continue into hell. And the Stainless Steel Rat runs for president. Oh my god, fucking finally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slippery Jim DeGriz is back, buddy. And until then, yeah, I'm Conrad, he's Fox, and we are Space 2000. Under the earth,